0: We started uh, last week uh, a new series out of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1 on creation, and we're going to continue that study and uh, see if we can learn more. There's a lot to learn in this chapter, a lot of wisdom there, and uh, we just read over, we did five whole verses last week talk for an hour, hour and a half on five verses. Just look at those. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day. And the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. And that's as far as we got, just one day in. But <laughs> so A couple things I want to bring to your attention again. That we said last week, so that we're basing our thoughts in the right direction Uh, we said the word for God was Elohim that's used there. It's a plural word and it is uh, also means a great display of power. Great display of power. Even an exaggerated power. Tremendous uh, powerful display and so we have this person personification Uh, a plural personification of God uh, who has this tremendous power that he displays and it helps us to think about God and we're going to see some of that power. And so I want to still go back to where we were. On the first day God said let there be light and there was light. There's a couple things that I want to say about that because One of the things that we said is very important is that God is a God of order. And as we go through and understand God, we need to always keep in mind that he's a God of order. God doesn't create chaos. God creates order. He'll bring order into your life. He'll bring order into your thinking. He'll bring order into everything that he does. And he's not all confusing. and He's orderly. And so God is going to create in an orderly fashion. We said in the beginning it says the earth was without form and void or chaotic and darkness was on the face of the deep. And we said that there's a real possibility that the chaos was caused by a revolution uh, in, against uh, God led by Satan. And we looked at the passages in, in uh, chapter 14 of Isaiah and 28 of Ezekiel that talk about the rebellion of Satan against God. And we said that's very possible that he was down here on this earth rebelling and God said that's it, I've had it with that. And the earth was judged and so we see it chaotic, all covered in darkness, first of all, all covered in water and uh, uh, chaotic or useless for any good reason, and then God's gonna begin the creation, and he says, let there be light. And there was light, and that's a pretty amazing statement. We talked about what light is, and that nobody really knows what light is. Uh, Exactly, they always thought it was waves, and then they changed their mind. Talked about little bursts of energy, As as light and here's a statement. I'm going to make I want you to think about this is a deep thought that God is not dependent on His creation God is not dependent on his creation now What's that got to do with let there be light because you and I say well light came comes from the Sun, right? Where we get to light, the light, a whole world's lit up by the sun. The sun, he says here, wasn't there yet. <laughs> God didn't need the sun to make light. He is not dependent on creation to do things. You and I are totally dependent on creation. Creation is what we breathe in and out of our lungs every minute. Okay, creation is the water that we drink. Creation is all the things that we need to sustain ourselves. But we are entirely dependent on creation. He is entirely independent of creation. So he can do whatever he wants, and it's not a cause and effect thing for him. So when he says, let there be light, and there's light now over the world, say, where did the light come from? He just made light. He doesn't need any more than that. How do we know that? What's going to come in the end? It says in the end, when we go to the final stages of eternity, he said, in that place, there is no need of the sun there for God is the light of it. All right? And so in the, in the last creation that we will all be a part of who trust in him in that creation, he said we don't need the sun we got God right here with us on earth and he said we won't need light sources anymore God will be the light. <clears throat> so you see that God is not dependent on his creation. That's a big thought for our little minds to suck up and hold, okay? It's hard for us, because we've always been dependent on everything all around us. We're dependent on the the gravity to hold us in place, right? And some of us are held here pretty good, okay? (laughs) Uh, We're all right, okay, we're held down. And all these things in creation we depend on. And so, for us to think of a God who can act independently of creation, that's a big thought, goes outside of our head. But to show something to you uh, that's fascinating to me Uh, Job chapter 38. Now, (coughs) in the creation story we have in Genesis chapter 1. We have Moses' gorgeous, beautifully written account of here is what happened as he explains the days of creation. But we also have this unique passage in Job 38 where God himself describes creation. And so, this is a passage that always gets overlooked. We read Genesis 1, here's creation story. But we can go to Job 38, and you've got God himself dictating to Job, here's what I did in the beginning. And that brings us to a fascinating sort of uh, verse here, as God is describing uh, what he did in creation. And so... Uh, Job chapter 38 and I look at verse number 12. He's talking to Job, asking him a lot of hard questions like where were you when I set the foundation for the earth? And Job's "Uh, and where were you when I uh, put it in place? Uh, He got no answers. Of course, point is humans don't have the answer. Now here in verse 12. Hast thou, Job, did you command the morning since thy days and cause the day spring to know its place that it might take hold of the ends of the earth that the wicked might be shaken out of it. And so he says what I did what I commanded in the beginning uh, was that the day spring should come forth. And so God says, let there be light. Now, in this passage, this parallel passage of creation in Job, he says, uh, the day spring. He caused the day spring to come, and he uses the word day spring, which I kind of like that word. That's a cool word. Where did day spring from? God said let there be light. So he had sprung from himself and he said I said uh, that day would spring into being a day would begin and light would begin and so he says here uh, where were you? Uh, did you command uh, that the day spring would come and know its place? And were you there for that? And of course Job still is sitting there with his mouth open. But go over to Luke chapter 1 because it's kind of fascinating (coughs) I think it's just plain thrilling (laughs) Luke chapter 1 and I'm looking at verse number 78 this is the prophecy of Zacharias the father of John the Baptist and he says in verse number uh, 78, Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And so uh, he says that the day spring came and visited us on earth. And the dayspring he's referring to, of course, we know who did that. Jesus was the creating power. And he says now he's going to call the dayspring Jesus on earth. He calls him, he gives him the name of day spring, or that uh, light sprang from Jesus. In the beginning it sprang from his hand, and from his mouth let there be light. Jesus comes and he is called the day spring from on high, the source of light from on high. Baby Jesus is called that. Now look at one more for me over in uh, Malachi chapter 4, last book of the Old Testament, last chapter of the Old Testament, just before Matthew starts, Malachi chapter 4. <clears throat> Malachi chapter four and verse two, "But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings." And now here he says, "There's going to be a person called the son." of righteousness, and you and I would think if we were going to spell it, it would be S-O-N, right? But that's not what it is. It's what? S-U-N. And so he says there's one coming who is the sun or the light of righteousness, and he's going to rise (laughs) with healing in his wings. So, when did God say, Let there be light? Day number one, right? In the beginning. In the beginning, day number one. The evening and the morning were the first day, and on that day, God created a light. He was the spring of day. He called the day spring. And he himself comes there, still called the day spring, and then he says, This sun is going to rise with healing in his wings. What day did he rise? Sunday. Day number one of the week. Jesus Christ arose on day number one when the Son of righteousness would come. Jesus arose from the grave on Sunday. That's the first day of the Jewish week. All right, first day, are we too? And so it's fascinating. I said God was a God of order, right? All right, so He begins right in the first five verses of Genesis. Says, "Let there be light," and out of Him comes light. And then He's told, "I made day spring into existence," and He's called the one who, out of whom day comes. And he springs into earth. And they call him by the sun, S-U-N, of righteousness. And he rises on the first day of the week. It is not God very orderly in what he does from the first day of creation until that first day recreation when he rose from the dead on the first day? And so there's a tremendous Connection there that shows that God is a God of order He has thought it all through long before We were still scratching our heads trying to say what? What was that? (laughs) He had it all figured out So we're looking at a mind That as the Bible says he knows The beginning from the end You don't know nothing I don't know nothing. What do we know about the beginning and the end, all right? He knows already what's gonna happen. And so in his orderly way, he unfolds the course of human events in the world, and he has orderly arranged things to be what they are. And if you say the world's in chaos, it was in chaos then too. And who fixed it? He did. And so, Relax. It's going to be good. It's in his hands. All right? And a God of order is still in charge. So, there's a couple things that I didn't get in, <laughs> in those first five verses, but I couldn't hardly leave them out. Like I said, there's not enough time sometimes when I get up here talking. I can't shut up. So, I want to make sure those two. Where no, number one, God is not dependent on his creation. So he can create light without a source. And later on we'll see him creating the sun and the moon. And the other thing is that he has called himself the dayspring, the source of light. And he was called as they looked, trying to explain him. A prophet is looking, trying to explain what his visions of God are. And he says... It's like the Son of Righteousness. We naturally said S-O-N, but he said S-U-N. <laughs> what a light arose on that first day when Jesus walked out of the tomb. So, tremendous light. And, uh, okay, let's go back now. Genesis chapter 1, before I get carried away again. Alright, so we got through day, one day of creation so far. Let's get into day number two. All right. So we're in Genesis one, verse number six. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters, which were under the firmament from the waters, which were above the firmament. And so it was. God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And so we have the world in an uninhabitable condition. It is entirely surrounded, covered with water. It is entirely covered with water. The whole world is covered with water. And uh, it's also surrounded with the darkness. It's dark all over. And that's an inhabitable world. And so God said, okay, first thing we're going to do is put light on Now I told you that one of the things that was happening, we read it in our good chapter, Job 38, and maybe we said that the sons of God, or the angels in heaven, and all the created beings were standing there watching the world be created, and it says they shouted for joy when they saw what God did, right, and so what's he got to do in order for it, well, first he turns the lights on, <laughs> so he turns the lights on now you can see All right, watch this right, and he turns the light on and that begins the creation and so the darkness gets wiped away and what are they looking at they're looking at a world entirely covered in water all right, so you say well that's an uninhabitable world well the first thing he will do after creating light so that it can be seen now He's going to, says, divide the waters from the waters and make a firmament. So what you and I call atmosphere atmosphere uh, God said I'm going to wrap around this world an atmosphere and I'm going to supply but my goal is to make the world inhabitable. I'm going to make the world inhabitable. Now it's uninhabitable, because there is no firmament. And so what the world was, as near as we can tell, was water laying all over everything, and there was, of course, condensation, I guess you'd call it, up in the air, but not very high up in the air, and that's a, that's a second layer. water. And he says, what I'm going to do, he says, is uh, create firmament, which means in the Jewish to expand, to stretch out. And the Bible says that the heavens are stretched out like a tent and spread out like a curtain. And so around the world is an uninhabitable layer of water and layer of water vapor. And so God's going to create the firmament. And what he's going to do is stretch this water up so that the water vapor is up high, all right, away from the water and make a space between. That's what you and I are living in. We're breathing it every second of our lives. He created what we call the air we breathe, all right? Making the world what? Inhabitable for us. Can't set us down here with no air. <laughs> you know, He's making the world ready for us. Turning on the lights first. Now the next thing he's going to do is make the air what it is. And the air is a wonderful thing. We use it every day, right? You use it every minute you're alive. And so we have the earth's atmosphere uh, around us. And we know if we go outside of the Earth's atmosphere, you can't survive. When the astronauts go up out of the atmosphere, they've got to have oxygen. There isn't any up there. So God said, I'm going to stretch out, make a space... Around the world, so it's inhabitable, and I'm gonna prepare for life a place that is uninhabitable. I'm gonna start by giving you air to breathe. But air does more than just provide breath, right? What else does air do? It's doing it right now, it makes sound possible. My voice goes through the air so when he said let's make this inhabitable he said okay there you go you can breathe (gasps) good i'm glad for that but you can also talk and sing and All the things that sound carries into the world. And that's, to me, is a thrilling thing. Because God wasn't saying, all right, we'll just keep these people alive. And No, 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 no. He's creating a world that we are going to enjoy. We are going to live in and grow in in a wonderful way so that we can talk and sing and do those things, and boy, did he do a good job with that! Uh, what a wonderful thought it was on his part to create music and so forth. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm a music lover. Okay, so every Sunday morning, I'll turn on the thing TV there and see if I can find good music. And I like to have a time of personal worship before I come to church. And so I'm looking for good music. And sometimes it's there. And a lot of times it's not. Okay? There's two or three channels where I know they sing, and I turn that one, I on, yeah. That's no good. And the next one, the other morning, it's Palm Sunday, and I'm turning on, come on, give me something today so I can worship God before I ever start moving around. And I start that at 5 in the morning. And so looking, and yeah, I going find nothing good. Go to the next channel. Well, nobody's got anything good. And then there's a channel that just plays nothing but music. So I went to that one. And man, there was nothing good on there. And I'm thinking, it's Pomp Sunday, give me a break. Somebody sing a good song. Somebody lift my spirits up. And finally I said, I got to go. I can't wait for these people all day. And I stepped out the door, and there it was. The birds were singing all around me having a time of their life, beautiful music all around me. And I just thought to myself, "Well, oh, this is my father's world. To my listening ears, all nature sings, and round me rings the music of the spheres. That's what God did when he made firmament. He created a place for us, and he filled it with music. The birds their carols raise; the morning bright, the lily white, declare their Maker's praise. And so, when you can't find worship on TV, just go outside. Listen, it's everywhere. It's all around you. God has created the atmosphere so that we can fill it for what? Something for Him. Worship for Him. Praise for Him. And so when he created the atmosphere, he said, I'm not just giving these people a breath of fresh air. I'm going to give them a lot more than that when I give them the atmosphere. right. Now, how did he do that? How did he stretch that? Well, hard to imagine what he did when he did that. And I was trying to explain to you, if I can, a little bit about what he did when he created, when he stretched that curtain out and created the atmosphere, or as the Bible calls it, the firmament. The firmament. And this is something that we didn't know for thousands of years. And now we just figured it out kind of fairly recently, the last, uh, you know, 100 years or so. But uh, you go from five miles to nine miles up, and you get what's called uh, the trophosphere. Trophosphere. I'm a terrible speller, okay? And in that... uh, Area that goes from five miles up to as high as nine miles up. That's where all the weather that we experience, rain and clouds and everything, is in that layer that's over our heads. And so God made a place for rain to come and snow and sleet and all the rest and wind and all that happens in that first five to nine miles up. Then we go up to the next one, it's called the stratosphere. And the stratosphere is about 31 miles higher and the stratosphere absorbs all the radiation. Now, radiation is a nasty thing see. I had a little tiny bit of it and I had to hide because I had a little bit of it. All right? Now out, out of the heavens, out of the sun comes radiation. And there's 31 miles of protection above the trophosphere where the weather occurs up there that absorbs radiation that comes out of the sun. So God made a place for weather to occur, and then he made a roll layer of protection for us called the stratosphere, and then we go up to the mesosphere. Mesosphere. And the mesosphere is where meteors burn up. And so, have you ever seen a falling star? Most of you, I would think, have seen a falling star. Where do you see that? Well, that's up in the mesosphere. So that chunk of rock, stone, whatever it is that comes flying out of space and comes towards the Earth, that's the third layer up. It burns up up there before it ever comes uh, near us, and so it is about 40 miles from us up there when it burns up so God is thinking I gotta watch because something might come around. I'll take care of him I'll put a layer up there, which is the mesosphere, and that's 53 miles Above our head all right, and we got the thermosphere the next layer the Thermosphere And the thermosphere is where you and I would see the aurora borealis. Anybody seen the northern lights? That's where you see it from. It's that layer way up there. And that layer is (laughs) 372 miles high. So now we got up there pretty good. We're getting up there pretty high. And then we have uh, the Ionic, ion sphere, ionosphere, and then there's one more layer on top of that, the exosphere, the outer layer, the exosphere. And then the ionic sphere is where we transmit radio waves that go across, uh, around the world, right? Goes up through and is transferred that way. And then there's a whole other layer on top of that. And so the whole atmosphere that God created is about 6,200 miles high. And you thought He just stretched a little spot for us to breathe in. It says, what? That He is this. Display of power that we called a radical display of power What did he do? Well, he protected us from radiation He created a weather spot to water the earth Then he created a place that uh, Burns up meteors and another place that transmits special lights. He just really went to town And we say well didn't seem like he did much on that day. Oh, really? Oh, really. He not only created a habitable world for us to breathe air and live in, but he made it so that it would protect us for years and years, miles and miles of protection is stretched out over our heads. And so he has made now the earth inhabitable. We have an atmosphere we can breathe, and we have light that we can see, All right, except for one thing, everything's still underwater. So, can't put us down here unless we can swim like a fish for the next (laughs) 80 years. He's got to go on to make the world inhabitable for us. So he's provided light, for us to see what he's doing now. He's provided air for us to breathe and protection over our head and filled it with the ability to transmit sound of all kinds, wonderful, beautiful sound. And through that sound, uh, we have something very useful to us. Now we go, it's only day two, time for day three. Verse number nine. Verse number nine. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place. And let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth. And the gathering together of the waters called he Seas. And God saw that it was good. So we're now on day number three. Number one, light. Number two, air, and now number three, dry land, dry land. So how does he do that? Well, let's take a guess, shall we? Puts a great big crack in the earth right there. Another great big crack in the earth there. Another one over here. And this is called the Atlantic Ocean is called the Pacific Ocean. That's called the Indian Ocean. Puts a deep crack in the earth, and all the waters go rushing down into that big crack. And then he does it and You can't tell here, because we live in kind of flat land, okay? We live in very flat land. My mother constantly reminded us that we live in western New York. She said, And I am determined, she'd say whatever state I am in there was to be content even if it's western New York (laughs) because she came from the mountains and so uh, when you go out west and see the Rockies there's nothing more where God's hand is evident than those because you can see where a chunk of rock a massive chunk of rock just went like like that And you can see where it broke off, and that's the piece that's up there. And uh, you'll see it row after row all around where God just crunched the earth and lifted it up high, and the waters ran off. And uh, everywhere, the water just running, seeking out its lowest place like water does. And so it's running towards the oceans away from what would be called now land, where we have now dry land on Earth, all right? And we say, oh well, he's made it pretty good. Well, that's only noon. <laughs> hey, yeah, let's do that this morning, all right? This morning I'll create dry land. So watch this. Wham, bam. Talk about a radical display of power. He just crushes the Earth's Uh, spots here and there in the deep and the water goes rushing into these caverns and now there's exposed uh, seven continents over the earth seven places, mountains and high places leading down to the ocean and he describes how he did it once again back in Job 38 naturally he's going to talk about that Job thirty eight, verse eight. Who shut up the sea with its doors when it break forth as if it had issued out of the womb? When I made the cloud the garment thereof, the thick darkness, a swaddling band for it, and break it up for my decreed place and set bars and doors. It says, Hitherto shalt thou come, but no further and here shall thy proud waves be stayed. Or God said, I decided where the shore would be. And so I set the bars up and said, o- Atlantic Ocean, that's where you end, right there. And we now got from Florida to Maine plus a whole other world all around where God said that's it. That's where the ocean stops. And so he did that, and that's on the third day. Now he has created atmosphere and light and land now so we can put humans on. But he's not done yet. It's only noon. (laughs) It's only noon. He's got plenty to do more than that. How long would it take God to do something? They talk about a display of power. When you see those, some of those Rocky Mountain especially up by the Canadian border, you can look and you see, man, that rock just broke and just dumped it right up in the air like that. And you can see the top of it where it broke right off and you think to yourself, wow, wouldn't you like to have seen that? No wonder the angels are up there going, ah, hey, look at that! Just must have been a tremendous noise as the earth cracked and snapped and twisted and turned and then all of a sudden the water goes rushing away and now the whole land now shows. So this water that covered the earth is now in very limited places. It's Wherever God said you go there, don't go any farther, that's where you're going to be. All right. That's a tremendous power this display of power, which begins to remind us that in the recreation of the earth for the third time, when we go into the new heavens and new earth, what did John say? I saw the new heaven and new earth, and there was no sea. So God says in the new world that He creates, He's not gonna have uh, oceans anymore. So all them cracks he filled. Go fill them in. You're going to make the entire earth inhabitable ground. Now, we got plenty. You know, right? We got enough to handle our population. He made it good. But, you know, uh, dirt is one thing. So, what's he going to make this afternoon? He says. Verse number 11. He said, Tell you what, I'm not just going to create land today, I'm going to vegetate the whole world this third afternoon. And so he starts popping up out everywhere the grass and trees and bushes. and What a sight! What a sight. When I drive up here at different times of the year, I look at the swamp when I go through. Most people say that's an ugly place, but I grew up with my head out there, okay? <laughs> it looks good to me, you know? And in the springtime, you go through, and you see the green coming out in the summer. It's just a lush growth in the fall, painted with beauty, and God did that in an afternoon. So how did he do that? I don't know. I don't know. But humans, in their normal desire to rebel against God, this is the normal desire of humans, whatever God does, I'm against it. I rebel against God, even to the point now where people say I was made a man, but no, I'm not, I'm going to be a woman or vice versa. That's pure rebellion against God is what it is. It's rebellion against God. And now in human thinking, you're looking at the earth and they say, saying, well, you know what? We can't just have a God come around and build the whole world in seven days. That doesn't seem right because they don't accept the course that he is a God who can display immense power and he's also a God of order. So, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to find a different explanation for why this works. Now, in the Old Testament here, there's a word called yom. Y-O-M. It's, in, it's interpreted day. So, in the evening and the morning in, in the uh, Hebrew was a yom or a day. It is possible... In in the uh, interpretation of the word yam, it is impossible. Possible also that it could mean a period of time. Sometimes it is called at a period of time. And so along come these rebellious humans. They say, "Well, it's not possible." God could, in one afternoon one day, make the whole world green with full grown trees and everything, so we're going to say that a yam is a period of time, a really long one so let's say maybe a hundred million years now let's make it two hundred million well, who cares? It's a long period of time and out of the primal ooze, the waters that used to cover the earth, one day came a little green thing floating on the water. You can see it any time down the swamp in the summer called algae, all right? And that green thing washed up on the shore one day and had some roots, and then the sun worked on it and everything, and it. A piece of grass grew. That was the first piece of grass. And that grass grew for 100,000 years. and All of a sudden it had a flower on it. Now there's flowers in here. This is the first one. 100,000 years? Yeah, okay. All right. And then that piece of grass, over 100,000 years, got a little thicker. And then one day there was a bush. It took a long time. It took 100 million years to get from algae to a bush, all right? But it's still a time period. And so everything we're going to stretch out to time, time, extended, extended, extended. Why? Because when God said, let there be grass and green things, it happened in an afternoon. After all, he opened the whole... Human uh, land up in the morning, <laughs> and so on a third day, he's gonna cover it with grass. That can't possibly be it had to be a long period of time. So, use your imagination a little bit with me and say the sons of God are up there watching creation. And it's 100 million years and there's a little green stick of grass growing up, you think they're up there going, hey! I don't know, take think so. I think they're bored out of their minds. They wouldn't shout for joy out of one little blade of grass coming out of some algae. That's the idea of evolution. That it took a long, long, long. That's not, well, yeah, we'll, we'll just make it 500 million years then. Well, <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of a logical point of view. Uh, so, this is the thought that a yam is a period of time. And so, these days of creation, they're saying, well, it wasn't a day, it was a yam. And it was 100 million years. And all of a sudden, there, now there's trees growing. What did he say? Watch carefully, verse 11. God said, let the earth bring forth grass, an herb yielding seed, fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And so it was the earth brought forth grass, an herb yielding seed after its kind, tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. We have this thing We call deoxyribonucleic acid or it's a genetic code that everything that grows, God put in it a genetic code. And so that grass is going to be grass forever and ever because it has stamped in it a genetic code. God said, I made that to be grass and you can't turn it into a tree no matter what you do. You can wait millions of years. It is not suddenly going to be a tree. Right. So God created it. He made it happen in an afternoon. Well, you say, well, I just can't fathom that. Neither can I. Because the display of power, talk about radical power. Immense power. And more, I think, than the, well, I mean, that's, I can't explain that. But the Creativity. It came when God said, let's fill the world with plants. Look, look at that. 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 that. That's a tiny little bit of his display. Go out there and look at the trees. I love trees. I got my house surrounded with them. My wife says, we got to cut them down. I said, no, we don't. They're going to stand there, and I'm going to enjoy them every day. And I had a friend of mine said, you know, look at a tree real close. It does this, which is true, right? He says, they're just praising God. And I think he might be right. I think God made them to reach out. <laughs> well, anyway, he said, I made everything so that it reproduced after its own time. So if the humans are going to say, no, we don't want God. We're going to refuse any idea of God, so we're going to make these days of creation be millennia, eras, eras of, of millions of years. All right, It's just not going to fit into what God says here. God says he made everything with a seed, and that seed will bring out what? More grass, more flowers, more trees, whatever that thing is. So within each plant, there was a seed where it reproduced after its own Kind, right? So we have God creating these things. And look at Exodus 20. Because they're really stretching and they're trying to make it so there is no God. And the question is how do you interpret the word yam? So they say, well, we could do this. Well, does it make sense? Here we go. Take a look. We're talking about the Ten Commandments here. (coughs) Let's look at verse number nine. Six days shalt thou labor. And do all thy work, and the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God, in it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore God blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So if we're going to use their interpretation, six days are going to be 100 million, million years. You're going to work that long before you get a rest. Well, (laughs) no, it's not. You know just what it says there. We're going to work six days. And then God said, what are they? Morning and evening, right? Actually, evening and morning. That's how he describes it. In the Jewish way of thinking, day begins at sunset. All right, and so he keeps saying evening and morning. That's a day. You get that. You understand what it means. And here, over in Exodus, when he's describing those things, he says to him, "That's what it is." He says it's God doing that in a day. All right, so it's in one day when the sons of God shout for glory for joy because of those things. And so uh, we see here that the normal attacks on God and come right into this creation. Says it can't possibly be done in a day. No, it was done in an afternoon. Alright, because on day three he created dry land by smashing up the crust of the earth, putting deep crevices and the water rushed away from it. And then he said, let's do this. And whoosh, what a day. Man, I'd love to see that when that rocky old brown dirt all over the earth all of a sudden turned into a garden. Now we're going to find out as we go a little farther that he made a real garden, <laughs> a real garden, fabulous garden but that's coming I can't, I'm getting ahead of myself all right? so uh, we have an attack once again on creation an attack against God and who's got the kind of power to do that in a day who can create light without a light source God's not dependent on his creation all right? and uh, uh, what does God do create a firmament and what is it 6,200 miles high full of safety and covers for the human race and marvelous things up there there's nothing more beautiful at times than the sky and then he says we'll we'll make dry land and what's he have now an inhabitable place why because you can breathe you got a place to stand (laughs) waters around you, but you got plenty of good places to stand on the ground. And anything you want to eat is right there. He just filled the cupboard. So there's fruit on the tree and you can go up to Nesbit and get an apple. Don't tell Steve I told you. <laughs> you can go up there and get an apple off the tree because God created these apples. All right, And God created all kinds of wonderful things. And there's enough for you to keep you alive matter of fact you can live pretty nicely In that world that god has created so it's three days in It's ready for life all right, So he is not yet He has created life plant life And the plant life is all over the world What a a display of power. Now he'll start to create other kinds of life because he's now ready to put into this world that he's created, surrounded by the atmosphere, the water separated from the ground up in the heavens over our head and separated down around us so we have dry ground. It's an amazing display of power as he smashes the earth and crushes it and makes it do whatever he wants it to do. All right? So, it's God preparing for life. Now, next week we go on into the life as he begins to pour out of himself all kinds of life. All kinds of life as he begins to fill the earth. That's whenever it gets really exciting. All right. So, we have a very powerful God thinking about us, making an atmosphere so I can talk to you tonight, in an atmosphere. I can talk because of the world that he created as he stretched out a space where we could live. All right, next week we go on day number four. Thank you.